Good morning again, and if you have your Bibles, you can open them to Titus chapter 2. We're going to be all over the place this morning, but uh, we're going to land there and spend most of our time in Titus chapter 2. And I just got to say, if you're a student and you were at youth group this last week, uh, you've heard some of this. So um, you'll just be so much more ready for the stuff that we're going to talk about. But I want to I pray for us this morning before we get into the scripture. So why don't you pray with me? Uh, Father, we, we are just so glad to be here. And, and I thank you for this place um, it has been helpful for many of us over the years to come in here to worship, to hear about you. And I pray again this morning as we open up the scriptures that you would help us again. That we would be able to see you as you are. Help me to present you in that way and, and help us, give us understanding to know you as you are so that we can uh, trust you. And, and so be our helper, be our teacher again today. And um, we love the opportunity for this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you guys, but last Saturday, my family and I, we went out to get our Christmas tree last weekend. Anybody else do that? I know I ran into like half a Washougal at the, at the Christmas tree farm, but um, it, it was beautiful. It was really cold. Do you remember that? that that's probably the thing I'm going to remember the most about getting our tree is it was really cold. And, and at the same time, this was the first time my son Connor really really got the idea of going out and getting a Christmas tree. So if you don't know my son Connor, this is him. And uh, that, that pretty much sums him up right there. I mean, he, he, he's, a, he's a fun kid. He's four. And so if you've had kids, you, you know four, you know what that's like. And so uh, we, we go out to the, the Christmas tree. And, and I think one of the things that he loved about it is it's just a wide open field full of trees that he can run in. And so this was amazing. It was like everywhere, forward, backward, over here. And so for me, you know, it, it's one eye on trying to find a tree and the other eye on where's Connor? What's he doing? Is he still around? Can I hear him? And so there's a lot of, hey, buddy, back over this way and all this kind of stuff. And, and Connor knew exactly what he wanted from a tree. Um, I discovered this as we're just kind of running around and, and then I just hear him say, dad, dad, let's get this one. And I, and I look and he's hugging this tree. Like he's so excited about this tree. And, and, and this turned into kind of a teachable moment, if you know what I mean, because the, the tree that he was excited about was about his height. And, um, and so we had a conversation, you know, ah, oh, buddy, that's so great. Yeah, it's a good tree, but our living room is huge, you know, and we can get this, we can get, look at all these big trees. And so his eyes kind of lit up and big tree. And then one after another, he kept going after the little trees. And so I just, I, I think about that experience, the, the whole experience up there getting a tree. It, it's a lot of just coaching. It's a lot of um, guiding and, and helping. This is what you do with a four-year-old. So it's a lot of hold my hand buddy there's cars driving around or don't jump in the pig pen just pet them and look at them we don't get in with them and you know yeah I gotta wait patiently and then it'll be our turn all this kind of stuff and, and you, you you know what this is like I mean sometimes with my son I just I feel like I'm always saying no to him and and, and most of the time it's not because I'm angry with him I, I'm just I'm just you know I, I want him to learn I want him to get it I, I want him to have the most out of life. And, and this, is, this is really what a dad does, right? 
I mean, I don't know what it's like when you hear that word dad. I don't know what kind of images come to your mind. I know in a room this size, when we throw out dad with this many experiences, I know for some of you, that's just, it's beautiful. It's great. The things that you think of, the pictures that you have are, are wonderful. For some of you, it's real frustration. It's um, abandonment. It's um, confusion. Or, or for many, it's just, I don't even know what that means. I, I know there's many people that grow up and they just never have the, the experience of having a dad in their lives. And so this is sometimes a, a confusing term for us. But in the same way, like a good dad, a healthy dad, it's a, it's a wonderful picture for us. I mean, a, a good dad is, is a great great teacher. That's what I think of my dad. I just think about all the things that I learned from my dad. I mean, I, I learned everything from how to ride a bike to, to how to fish to how to split wood. I did that a lot. And, you know, how to drive a stick. I, I, I learned that um, from my dad and, and how to do my taxes and sort of how to treat a girl. And, and, and like we talked about some of that kind of stuff. And, and, and we talked about Jesus. I, I learned a lot about Jesus. Jesus and, and following him for my dad. And when I think back now that I'm older, when I, I look back to uh, learning with my dad, I know for him it was a lot of work. It was a lot of frustration. I mean, that's what I remember from fishing. I, I just remember my dad like untangling the mess that I created while I'm using his pole. And, and, and I know there's everything in him. I, I'm sure to just be, it's all right, buddy, all that kind of stuff. But, but, but this is how it goes. And, and the dad, a, a good, healthy father, this is, a, this is an amazing environment to learn in, isn't it? Right. It's it's different than any other environment that you have. I mean, um, you you have teachers and and they can be inspiring and they can um, be fun and and you can be excited to learn from them. But in the end, a teacher still has to give you a grade. Right. And and it's the same way with like a boss or 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 a coach. Like in the end, um, there's something that needs to get done. And 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 with the dad, it's it's a little bit different. Performance isn't as much there. So it's a great environment to learn in. And today, as we talk about Jesus being our Savior, we need to understand that he's our Savior who becomes a great parent, a really good, healthy, perfect dad. And, and you know, honestly, when I thought about Jesus as my Savior, um, I I don't really think of him in that way. I I remember being a kid and being in Sunday school and kind of hearing that Jesus is my Savior. And the pictures that came in my mind um, were were Jesus in spandex with a mask and a cape, right? That's what you think of when when you think of uh, Savior. You think of like superhero that's going to fly in and the building's on fire and he's going to bust through the wall and grab people out. And, and in many ways, Jesus does this when he saves. He, he, he does enter into the most desperate situations and, and, and he can help there. He can restore there. He can change there. But what's different about Jesus and what he does when he saves is that a, a, a superhero like that kind of goes in and resolves the situation and then goes on to the next crisis, right? And, and yet what we find is Jesus um, he's, he's not like this. Jesus is our Savior, and he stays with us. 
You know, if you've been around over the last few weeks, we've been, uh, we've been talking about following Jesus, that, that following Christ is a lot like this season at Christmas time for kids, right? That it's this reality of, of there's some already, but some not yet. And, and so with kids at Christmas, you know, it's, it's December 15th. And so there's Christmas trees, there's lights, there's music, there's Christmas movies. Frosty was on TV last night. I flipped through and, you know, there's all this kind of incitement and anticipation that you have. At the same time, it's not Christmas yet, right? And, and this is how it is for you um, when, you're, when you're a child. And yet at the same time, following Christ is a lot like that. There's many things that we have in Christ. Today, it's the already, but there's things that we look forward to and long for that are not in their fullness yet. And, and so that's what we've been talking about, this already, not yet, of following Jesus. And, and Savior is like that. Um, that, that from the beginning, really, we learn that people, we need a Savior. Th- this is what we find when we just open our Bible right at the beginning and we start into Genesis and we read about Adam and Eve and how they sinned, right, and how that changed everything for them. And, and, and we see God coming into that picture and, and they're hiding and they're embarrassed and they're blaming one another and, and God sits down and begins to have a conversation with them and in that moment we get the first glimpse of a savior. He says this when he talks to the serpent. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And we just understand this as the, as the first reference to Jesus and what he is going to do, that Jesus is the offspring of a woman, right? He's born of the Holy Spirit, but he's born of Mary, right? A, a woman, and, and, and he will be struck on, on the heel. And so we, we just look at the cross, and, and, and we look at the reality of that, and we see that. But in that process, he will crush the head of, of Satan and evil and, and sin. We, we have a glimpse of a Savior, and as we just flip through the Old Testament, we just see this over and over that God is giving a glimpse to his people that there is a Savior and he is coming and, and we need this. He will accomplish what we need most in life. And, and, and I think we see this the most clearly in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, God is he's talking about this servant who is going to come and, and is going to suffer for his people. And in verse 11, it says that after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and, and he will bear their iniquities. We understand this to be Jesus and what he accomplishes when he's born and more importantly, when he goes to the cross. That, that we need a Savior, and we're looking forward to it. They were understanding that this was coming. But, but when Jesus is born, this is how he's announced. I, I just think about, of all the things that God could say about his son being born, the thing that is announced about him is that he is our Savior, right? 
I mean, this is what we read in the Christmas story. And so Thursday night, I'm, I'm at a preschool program for my son, and they're reading the Christmas story. And they read this section in Luke, right? Jesus is born, and then there's the shepherds out in the field, and the angel shows up to them, and they're, they're, they're terrified. And this is what Luke records. He says, but the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And so this is the announcement. This is what God says about his son. Good news for all people because of a savior. That that we need a a savior. And and it might be be silly for me to to say this. You, you, You might hear that. You might... You might think that this is kind of funny to say, but, but if we need a savior, that says something about us, right? It says that we cannot save ourselves, correct? I mean, isn't that the whole idea underneath a savior is that, that, that it's something you need, the greatest needs that you have. This is something that you cannot fulfill on your own, but you need something outside of yourself to provide that for you. That's what a savior does. And I say that because a lot of times we just sit here and we hear this about Jesus, that he's our savior, and we kind of nod our heads and we agree with that. Oh, yeah, that's really cool about, about Jesus. And yet we go through our lives still thinking that we are the ones that are going to fix everything. Like we just look at our situation and we long for it to change. And we just think to ourselves, well, in 2014, I'm just going to try harder. Right. Or I'm just going to be a nicer person or, you know, I just need to maybe change. I need to find different people, the people that I was with. It didn't really work out last year. So I just need to go to another place, find different people or I just need more money or or, or something. And, and all of this thinking is the thinking that in the end it relies on me to fix my situation. And this is a this is a disbelief in a savior. That we can't do it. We, we're, we're unable to do it. We, we need a savior. And, and, and so Jesus is our savior. But he, but he also tells us what he will save us from. And, and this is the insight that, that Joseph gets, right? You, you remember the story that Mary and Joseph, they're engaged. And, and Pastor Bob talked a little bit about what that meant last, last week. But they're engaged and then Mary's found to be pregnant. And so this was awkward. We could just call this an awkward situation. And so Joseph's trying to figure out what he's going to do. And he decides that he's just going to quietly, respectfully kind of divorce her and, and, and leave this situation. But then in Matthew 1, it says, but after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is is from the Holy Spirit. And, And she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In your notes, you can kind of underline that last phrase that that we understand what he comes to save us from. It's our sin. This is the crisis that we're in. I mean, it's not, not the money problems or, or it's not, um, you know, it's not loneliness or, or it's not the lame boss that you have or, or, or the frustrating situation with family right now that the, that the crisis is sin in our life. 
And this is an important distinction because like in Joseph's day, if you would have walked around and you would have said, um, you need a savior, what kind of a savior do you need? Um, likely there would have been different answers to that. I mean, some people would have said, well, well, we need a savior from Rome. I mean, we're just under Rome's in control of our country. We can't really be who we are. It's, they're not nice to us. And, and that's what we need. We need a savior from Rome or we need a savior from poverty. There's so many things that aren't right here. There's rich people and really, really poor people. And we need a savior um, from poverty. And I, I look at that and I think we're, we're a lot like that too. Again, we're, we're looking for all kinds of saviors. I, I need a savior and he has a really fat check for me. That, that would fix a lot, right? Um, or, or loneliness. I, I just think about times in my life before I was married, if people would have asked me that, I, I wouldn't have just said it direct, but what I was really thinking is the kind of savior I need is a girl that will be with me, right? That she'll just agree, we'll get married, and then everything, everything will be all, all, all right. And, and, and yet what we understand again is that our greatest need is to be saved from our sin, that we need salvation from the effects of sin. That what sin does between us and God and the separation there and the effect that it has on us with one another. I mean, a lot of times when we think about um, being free from sin, we, we think about the things that others have done to hurt us, right? And, and so, you know, my dad didn't do this, or, or my friend, I can't believe they, they, they did this. And, and, and we think about how other people's sin affect us, but we have to be honest that, that our sin has greatly affected our life. That a lot of the guilt and, and, and shame and drama and... Uh, and all this stuff that we wade through in life, much of it is just from our own indecision to follow God and to be selfish. Like we need to be saved from how sin uh, affects us. And we need to be saved from the power of sin because sin is gripping, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're just so used to going through life, kind of going on our own and, and doing life the way we think is best and disengaging God. We're just so used to that. It's so ingrained in us. And, and when we come to know Christ and we begin to realize that we want to live in a different way, what we find is that it's so ingrained in us, it's still our reactions. It's just this cycle that's hard to break. I, I don't want to do this, but I keep doing it. We need to be saved from the power of sin but we also need to be saved from the eternal effects from sin. That the reality that we read in the scriptures is that one day we all will die um, or, or Jesus is going to come back one or the other and, and this will usher in a, a time where we all stand before God and, and we have to give an account of our life and in that moment when we stand there we will not be able to stand on the own good things that we have done. Like we need salvation for that moment because we aren't good enough. We haven't completed. We're not perfect. And yet the gospel is, is that Jesus comes and, and he provides salvation for all of these things. Or as we read in Hebrews, it says this, that just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. 
And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. That, that what Jesus accomplishes when he comes to earth and, and when he goes to the cross, that, that what it does is that our belief in, in, in our receiving this, it puts us in a place where we're not afraid for eternal things. Like we're not afraid to stand before God in that moment because of Jesus. He, he saves us for that. And at the same time, this isn't just the most exciting thing about eternity because we understand that, that in eternity we are, we are transformed. We, we enter into um, life with God forever that is absent from sin. And, and we are changed and, and restored to the place where we don't sin anymore. Isn't, isn't that an amazing thought? I mean, this is what John tells us when he says, dear friends, right now we're children of God and, and what we will be has not yet been made known. We don't understand fully what it's going to be like for us in eternity, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. We'll, we'll be like him in his purity and in, in his holiness. No, no more sin. You know, over the last few weeks, I, I've been getting ready to, to teach on eternity with the students and, and some of this. And the more I, I, I read about what it's going to be like and, and, and what it's going to be like to be in a place without sin and without the effects of sin, it's something that, um, that I, I just feel like I can't fully grasp, but I understand this to be amazing. This is the completion of our salvation. Jesus our Savior, except at the, at now in, in our life today, what we live in though is we live in the present, don't we? We live in this place that if you know Christ, if you've received him, you are saved, but we're waiting for eternity, right? And what comes in the in-between, in the present, or, or the already not yet, is what comes for us is just a struggle with sin, doesn't it? I mean, I just, I'll just say it. I'll, I'll just throw it out. Um, uh, Christians um, have always and, and will struggle with sin, don't, don't we? I mean, we know that. We can just ask around the room. We could interview everyone here. And if we were honest, we could agree with this. But, but we know this even more because we just look at the Bible. And, and the Bible is, is written to believers and much of the Bible is giving them encouragement and advice and help because they struggle with sin. This has always been the case of the in-between, that there's, that there's a part of us that longs for, for doing right and, and following God, but there's much of us still that struggles with sin. And, and this is so frustrating. And, and sometimes it's just, it's just embarrassing. And, 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 and we... We beat ourselves up. I mean, if we were honest, um, this, is, this is likely the, the biggest reason why it's hard for us to regularly be in a setting like this or a grow group or just being in the scriptures. I mean, we like to say, ah, we're busy and there's so much pressure in life. But, uh, but if we were honest, for, for many of us, the reason why that's hard is just every time we come in to where God's word is taught or we're worshiping, we're just reminded that I'm not living for Christ in the way that I fully want to. Right, right. This is the in-between. And, and what I want to talk about for the next few minutes is, is there any help for that? Is there any encouragement? I mean, what, what does God say for us 
about the in-between. And I think what Paul writes here to his friend Titus, um, what he gives us here, at least for me, this is some helpful insight. This is something that helps me live in the in-between. This is what he writes in Titus chapter 2. Are you there? I told you we weren't going to get here every once in, or eventually. Um, this is what he says. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, now for me, when I, I, I read that, I, I think to myself, that is my hope for the in-between. In this time where I'm saved, where I'm waiting, this is my hope, that, that I would be learning and growing and, and being better at saying no to ungodliness and, and worldly passion, passions, that I would be growing to a place where I wouldn't be just consumed by everything that's not from God. That I'd be eager to do good. And, and that I would be Pure, and that I'd be growing in these things. I, I read that and I think to myself, this is, this is my hope for the in-between. This is I, what I want. And, and, and what Paul says at the beginning, he says, the, the, the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us. Or, 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 or what Christ has done when he comes to save us, that act of, of grace, this teaches us to be like this, right? And, and on your notes, I want you to circle that word teaches because that's our help. It's, it's in the gospel. It's in what Jesus does as our Savior. It teaches us. And this idea of teaching is a very, it's a very rich and, and deep and, and safe idea. Like, like when I read that word teaching it, first of all, I just think of a lecture, right? Something like this where there's somebody up, up here and, and they talk and you take notes and you kind of have to figure it out on your own. This isn't really a, a, an intimate, kind of safe, secure environment for learning. But in the original language, this word that Paul uses here for teach has an implication even more than that. It's safe. It's, it's secure. It's like a very close mentor. Or like a, a coach that's really committed to you. Or, or more than anything, like a parent. Like what a dad does when he's teaching, when he's helping his children to mature. You, you see, when, when we are saved, um, there, there's so many things that happen at that moment when we receive salvation. When we say yes to God. And, and this morning, I just want to remind us of two. Um, one of the things that happens in that moment when we are saved, the, the Bible says that we are justified, right? We, we've heard this term before. This is a, a legal term that, that says you're right, that, that the punishment deserved from an act is paid for, it's taken care of, that you can stand in front of the judge and, 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 and everything's okay. This is justification. And, and we understand that when we are saved, uh, we're justified. And this is important for us to understand. 
See, see, a lot of times when we think about God forgiving our sins, we just, we just think that somehow God just forgets what we've done and just kind of, um, you know, shoves that over to the side and just says, it's all right, everything's fine, I, I love you, and, and, and that there's nothing with sin. And, and yet what we find is, is, is sin is not like that. Sin is a big deal. Something has to be done with this. But what we understand from the scriptures is that this is what accomplished, this is what Jesus accomplishes when he comes to earth and when he lives the perfect life that we could not live. And and when he goes to the cross and, and on the cross, he stands in our place, taking our sin on himself and paying for it. That that's why the cross is not a it's an ugly thing in many sense. It's painful, it's humiliating, and, and it's appropriate for, for sin. And, and he does this so that, so that our sin can be paid for and he can, in exchange, offer his righteousness to us that when we receive this, we enter into this place where we are justified. It's done. It's taken care of. We can point again to the cross. And we understand justification to be for everything that we've been, that we've done in the past, right? Like, like all of those things that haunt you. The things that you don't think about them every, all the time, but, but just every so often they just come up and, they, and you just think, man, if people, if people knew what I did... I mean, I don't know if they'd let me in here. I don't know if they'd talk to me. Or, or, or these things that, that you think about and, and what you've done to people. And, and you just think to yourself, I can't believe that. I mean, I wish I could go back. I, I, wish I, I wish that never happened. I would do something differently. Or I wish there was a way that I could make it right. And there's nothing. I can't make up for this. There's, there's no way. And yet what justification says is, is that Jesus makes up for it. And Jesus deals with it. And it's done. All the things in the past. Before God, they're done. And you're right. It's the past, but it's the present and it's the future as well, right? Because, because again, we, we will struggle. We, we will do more things. I mean, we'll probably all do something before Christmas. And probably most of us will do something before the end of the day. And maybe before you even leave church. I don't know. I mean, just ideas and thoughts and reactions to people. And it'll just hit you. Man, that's not what God wants. That's not, that's not how I'm to live. And, and yet we understand that justification, it's for all of that. And this, this puts us at ease to come before God. And we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to worry. We, we don't have to think to ourselves that God's just going to keep bringing up something that's been done. It's taken care of. We're, we're justified. This puts us at ease before God. But at the same time, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fully help us move forward and not sin anymore, right? And, that, and that's what we want. At least that's what I want. That's, that's one of the things that brings me back to God is that I don't want to do these things that keep destroying my life. And, and, and so that's where adoption comes in. That, that when we're saved at salvation, we're justified, we're made right with God before our judge. But at the same time, we're adopted. 
that we're invited into this relationship with God where he serves as our perfect loving father and we are his dearly loved child. We, we haven't always been that, but when we're saved, we enter into that. That's why it's adoption. And adoption, when we understand it, is so freeing and so helpful. This is, this is what Paul writes about it in Galatians chapter 3. He says a lot here, but we'll just read this. He says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through your faith. And when you were children, you were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoptions as sons. And, and because you are sons, God has sent his, the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And if you're a son, then, then you're an heir through God. And, and so what Paul is saying is if you want to understand what it's like for you and I in the in-between, if you want to, want to see what that's like between salvation and eternity, um, what he says is just, just look at the image of a good dad. Like go out to the Christmas tree field and, and walk around with, um, you know, me and my son. Or, or, or go, to the, go to the playground. And, and don't be creepy about this, but go to the, go to the playground and just, just watch dads and their kids. And, and watch how they interact and, and watch how they talk to one another. And more importantly, watch how that kid responds to his dad. See, you see, with a healthy dad, we, we see all kinds of things. I mean, one of the things that we see is, is in a healthy father-child relationship, there's incredible access and, and there's incredible freedom. And, and this is so much different than any of the other settings that we learn in. I mean, when was the last time that you walked into a teacher and you jumped on their lap and gave them a hug, Right. I mean, this is, uh, you, you don't really do this. This is kind of frowned upon. I mean, I mean you like your teachers, but you don't, you don't kind of have that access. But you do, with, you, you do with the dad, right? I mean, I was just thinking about this. After church, none of you, none of you run up to me and jump on my back and put stickers on me. You, you don't. You don't interrupt my conversations. You politely kind of stand there. Do you know who does that? My kids, right? They, they have this freedom. They have this access. Um, young kids ask their parents everything, and they ask it loudly, and sometimes it's in public, and sometimes it's awkward when they point at somebody, and they're like, Daddy, what's that? And it's really loud, and you kind of have to you know, hold them aside. But there's just a freedom to, to ask anything. And, and when I think about my life, I, I can think about times in, in high school where where it was kind of like everything was pressing down on me at the same time. And so coaches and grades and, and, and just all of this stuff. And I, I just remember uh, one day in particular where I just felt like I can't take it anymore. It's just too much. And, and I remember I, I, I couldn't say that to my coach. And I, I couldn't say that to any friends. And, and, and I just couldn't get that out. But I got home and, and it just all came out with my dad. Right? Tears. I mean, I can't take It's too hard. It's, it's overwhelming. This is access and freedom that we have in, in a loving relationship with the dad. There's, there's this and there's also commitment that, that with a loving, healthy father, that when a child makes mistakes, um, there's still dad. 
right? And, and, and I know this, honestly, I know this the most because I, I, I interact with so many of you as, as the youth pastor. I mean, I get to be invited into these situations. And, and what I, I, I learn over and over is that kids do dumb things. Sometimes it's public and, and sometimes it's, it's hurtful and it's an embarrassment. And, and in that, they lose a lot of friends and, and they lose a lot of situations, jobs, um, opportunities. I mean, this just happens. But, but what I see over and over is they don't lose dad. They don't lose mom. They might be wrestling with how to serve their child and how to support them and how to love them, but there's still dad. There's commitment there. I mean, you don't, you don't get that from a teacher or a coach. In the end, they still have to give you a grade, or if you don't perform, in the end, they, they have to cut you for somebody else that does, does it better, or a boss. Like, they have to get the job done, and if you can't perform, um, you're, you're done, and they're it's not this way with dad. And there's love and training that, that parents, that, that good, healthy dads, they, they look at their children and they want them to grow up and, and they want to serve them in this maturity process. So there's teaching and there's discipline, right? Good parents, discipline. They, they say no to their kids sometimes. This is healthy. This is right when kids are doing destructive things. And so there's discipline, but there's celebration there too, isn't there? I mean, I was thinking about this this week, and so I went on to YouTube, and I just, um, I just searched amazing dads, and there's all these videos that came up, so I started watching some of them, and I came across this video of this um, kid, and he was probably like middle school or early high school, and he's, you see him setting up the camera, and he's kind of looking into it, and then he, um, he calls his dad into the room. And, and so the dad comes in, he's like, hey, what's up? And, and, and his son gives him this piece of paper, and the dad just kind of stares at it for a little bit. The, you know, it's kind of awkward, a long time. And, and he says, are you serious? And, and, and the son just kind of nods his head. This is for real? And he's, he's nodding his head, and he says, you passed math? And, and it's just like the dad just loses it there, and he, he hugs his kid, and, and the dad's just crying. And, and I'm sitting in my office, honestly, and I'm just I'm tearing up. I'm, I'm just bawling because I'm just, I'm, I'm just imagining what the last few months have been like for this son and his dad and all the conversations and all the you know, challenging and you got to do this and keep at it and everything. And, and, and he's celebrating with this son because he did it finally. And see what Paul is saying is he's saying when you need to understand the in-between with you and God, you need to have these images. I, I'm a good, loving dad and you're my child. Well, I want to help you grow up. It's this grace, it's this standing, it's this safety that we learn in that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and, and, and to live rightly. And you know, if this is the truth, then why wouldn't we run to God first? I mean, I mean in everything, in all situations, but especially our, our sin, is if this is our standing with him, why wouldn't we go to him First, or, or, or maybe a, a better way to say this is that if we're, if we're wondering if we understand this to be true or not, we, we, just, uh, we just need to um, think about where we go when we realize our sin. Do we hide? 
Do we try to cover it up? Do we try to lie about it? Or do we freely go back to our Father? Or, or when we, we come in here, I mean, what, if, if this is true, then why do we always feel like God is just disappointed in us? I mean, if, if this is true, then God is not saying to you, I wish you were more like the person three rows ahead of you. Or why can't you get it? I mean, he's involved in, in the middle. Um, you're, you're justified, but he's loving you through this process. So we run to God first. You know, on, on Thursday night, my son had a preschool program. And I just got to say, it was kind of traumatic for him. And, and it, started, it started the night before. And he just said, you know, he's, he's crying. And he's like, I don't want to perform tomorrow. And we're like, well, why? And he says, well, I don't know the words. And so we're trying to set his mind at ease. It's okay, buddy. And you'll be with your friends. And, and, and honestly, that didn't help at all. The next day, he was, I mean, he was in tears. And we get there and, you know, and, 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 and he's just, he's going up on stage with all of his friends. And he's just, he, he's not going to make it. And he just, uh, he loses it. And, and you know, um, do you know who he wanted in that moment? I mean, his teacher was up there trying to help him and set him at ease. But you know what he wanted more than anything? Well, well actually, he wanted mom. But, <laughs> but he wanted us. I mean, he just wanted to sit there with us. He wanted to run to us first. And, and this is God. We, we run to him first, and then we understand that everything that he's saying, all of scripture, whatever he's asking us to do in life, we can embrace it as, as his direction in love. That he actually knows. He, he knows what you need. He knows what's best for you. I mean, this is what I want to get across to my kids right now. This is when they're crazy and, and when their attitudes are horrible. And, you know, you have those moments as parents where you just kind of grab them and you sit down kind of face to face and you, and you just got to you got to have a hard conversation. And in those conversations over and over, what I want to talk about with them is I want them to know, well, who am I? Well, well, your dad. How does dad feel about you right now? And sometimes they'll say, well, you're mad at me. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm a little frustrated. But no, no, I, I actually love you. And everything that I'm asking to do, e even though you think it's ridiculous or hard or unfair, like I'm asking you to do this because I love you. And, and, and I understand a little bit more than little four-year-old what is best. And this is our God. And this is what it's like in the in-between. And, and this should put us at ease when we come before God. In fact, you know, when I, when I just think about us, when I think about Christmas, you know, we're, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus comes and he comes to save. And, 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 and we're going to be doing that next weekend. And, and, and my hope for all of us over this next week or so is that, that we're really at ease with our Father. And instead of shame, guilt, feeling beat up, pressured, God doesn't use these things to grow us. He uses his kindness and his grace to teach us. 
And my hope is that that would just put us at ease to, to be able to worship him, to enjoy him, to enjoy this season and remembering again that he came and what he's done. And, and, and we're going to do that next weekend and that you'd be free to be here and to just enjoy worshiping God. And you'd be free to invite other people into this place so that they too can hear about this God who saves us and becomes a really good dad. Let's pray. God, um, we, we just need to remember again who you are. Um, God, that the voices that say harsh things to us, that want to beat us up in our struggle, that, that that's not your voice. Um, we, need to, we need to know you accurately. We need to hear from you that we would be free. Free to love you. Free to want to live for you. Free to grow and learn from you. Um, God, I, I pray for all of us in this room that we would understand that to be true in our life and that we would experience it today and and Tuesday and Thursday, that we would, we would remember you as you are. God, help the dads in this room to put good images of you in their kids' lives. We're not perfect, God, we need your help, but, but help the dads and help the moms in this room as well. But, but God, for all of us, we want to see you as you are. And we thank you for your help and your commitment to us to grow us. And God, that's why we sing this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.